Okay, cool. Welcome to the Fuck the Stigma podcast, Rod. How are you? I'm very good. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yes. Dude, it's been a long time coming. I think I've wanted you on this podcast for over a year. Yeah, I've been wanting to come and talk to you for a long time. Just work, our schedules, nothing ever aligned. Right. Quality problem. <laughs> Quality yeah. problems. Yeah. We get to have those today. Yes. What are some of the stigmas you've overall experienced in your life? Like what dip with what different topics? I experienced, I mean, a lot. I mean, you, you got to start naming them off for me to say yes or no to. Mental health, addiction. Yes. Um, I also think you've experienced things with being a man in itself. Yeah. Because I, I personally, and I've oh, heard toxic many. Toxic masculinity. <laughs> yes. I, that one boils my blood. You yeah, I, I, mean? I want to talk about that. Yeah. Because a lot of people say this, and even I believe it as well. You're you're a teddy bear. Like, you're so <laughs> nice and soft on the inside, but you have this, like, hard, hard exterior. We're all, like, kind of, like, two different people right when we're behind closed doors with people we trust and we have that 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 feeling of safety um we're able to let our guard down you know and then there is that other version of us when like you run the streets and in and out of jail and prison and you're living a certain lifestyle like you don't give access to like all of yourself to certain people just you know it's viewed upon as a weakness and blah 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 and that whole poor perception that a lot of people hold on to and won't let go of you know the world is a big beautiful place and i like to enjoy it and not let a poor perception get in the way of that yeah i mean for sure especially as you grow up you learn like these ways of protecting yourself yes and you meet people and you're like oh i'm not going to show this person all of me correct but i really want to know what that experience is like for for a man like yourself because i i've like walked the streets of venice with you <laughs> <laughs> you were you did not have a shirt on and like just the, that experience on its own <laughs> was kind of crazy um so yeah like what's that because you're you go to the gym a lot you're a yeah. big bulky guy yeah gym is a uh, uh, one of my outlets yeah. you know recovery mental health um sanity keep all that stuff in line and, and healthy and thriving oh you want to know about Yes. Like what, how does it make you feel? Like, do you ever feel sometimes women walk around feeling objectified? Correct. Cat called, for example. Right. Do you have that experience? No, I would, I would take that as a compliment. If I got <laughs> cat called. I mean, I, I have got cat called before, you know, but they're from, um, you know, women that are kind of older than me, you know, and I still take that as a compliment, you know, like I, uh, I think we were riding bikes at Venice with uh, Justin Jordana and my girlfriend. And um, I'm like ahead of everybody. And then there's like these three older women, you know, like in their late forties and they're sitting there. And, and as I'm bicycling up, up, you know, they're just, they look at me and they're like, God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, mean, I just laughed. I was just like, hey, thank you. Like, I'll, I'll take that to the bank. You know, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know, I also think that as much as I go to the gym, there's definitely some body dysmorphia there to where I can never look good enough or get into the shape that I feel is ideal or like satisfaction is out of reach when it comes to like the gym and like sculpting the body to what you want it to look like. Um, so I, I, I'll take cat calls all day long, Yeah, you know, um, as a compliment. That's the thing though, like, we could look really good. And a lot. I think a lot of men don't talk about body dysmorphia. We can look so good to so many other people. I don't think and men talk about their feelings really at all enough. Do you, do you, you don't? No, I've got the recovery has definitely um, brought that out in me. Like I've learned the benefit of talking about your feelings and not keeping it all bottled up, you know? Yeah, but a lot of men don't don't feel that way, especially because, yeah, you are in recovery. Yeah. I think how many years do you have? I just took nine years, November 6th. Dude, I totally didn't wish you happy birthday. Such happy bad, birthday. <laughs> such a bad, do better, Eliza. Will you do better, please? Here you are, like, this beautiful podcast. And, and this is what I'm busy doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you, so, yeah, you're in recovery, nine years. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that get pushed into us, like, oh, guess what? We can't bottle up our feelings all the time. Right. So, you have that, like, asset of being in recovery and a lot of, People on your day to day don't. But we also learn why we can't, though, right? Like especially why? early in recovery. Well, get okay, early in recovery. My perception is so twisted, and like I'm lost. Like me bottling up my feelings is like that one dude in the smoking pit at the treatment center, 
that looked at me sideways, didn't smile or say hi or introduce himself. Now I have built a whole report of that dude in my head and I fucking hate him, you know, and I want to fucking hurt him now. And this is like my perception when I first got sober, which was all that street gel nonsense, you know, uh, I'm a tough guy shit. Yeah. So I'm pl- a plot like, oh, I'm going to catch this dude when he walks around the corner away from the cameras at the facility. I'm just going <laughs> to open hands, smack him across the the face with my palm and, and if they do a knuckle check I'm safe like I'm not gonna get kicked out because I had prison time hanging over my head it was a state funded place and there's like characters there um, and that's what happens when I don't talk about my feelings and you had never even spoken to this guy once correct <laughs> and then like uh, he bumped a cigarette for me one day and I talked to him and he's like a sweet cool dude and we're laughing and I'm just like wow I was totally wrong yes you know I mean? I've fallen victim <laughs> to the same thing like I think resent people I've never even spoken to because I've, I've planted this whole idea of who they are and how they right. they would treat me right so tell me a little bit about your beforehands about your you said prison street life i also want to hear a little bit about you growing up because i know that that story is oh. a little crazy you did grow up with a father who was he was a heroin addict um biker bank robber had an on-site trial in orange county in the 70s an on-site trial means that they're not arresting you and taking you to court that it's on site, like with the shootout with the cops. He still has like BBs in his hand and in his arm from getting hit with the shotgun. Um, you know, they, they called the news team actually during like the shootout at the place they were robbing because there was a SWAT team waiting for them because it was like they were marking the tracks. Like they went all the way up, all the way up north robbing places and came back down all the way south robbing places. So they like, they stationed themselves at this hotel right off the freeway in Orange County. Like, oh, they're, this is like their MO, they're gonna hit this place. And like, my dad and his two buddies ended up hitting that place. Um, <laughs> you predicted right. Yeah, and that was that. And my dad was strung out on China White, like the real China White. Because what happened is his buddy he grew up with, lived a couple houses up, went to Vietnam, the war, and would send my dad these shoe boxes um, of like two rows of Polaroid pictures. And the pictures, my dad thought he, his buddy lost his mind because the pictures were like of a panda or some some dude in the bushes or just, you know, trees and bushes. My dad, and then he would call my dad like, hey, did you get my package? My dad's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, hold on to it, stash it, don't touch it. Just, I'm sending you more. And my dad's like, oh, this guy's lost his mind, you know? And I can't remember how many shoe boxes my dad got, but when he came back from the war, before he even went to go see his mom, he went straight to my dad like, hey, where's my, 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 my packages I sent you? My dad's like, dude, like, go, go say hi to your mom first. Like, what the fuck? Like, I'll get your packages. And he's like, okay, I'll be back in 20 minutes, but get them. So what happened was each one of those Polaroid pictures had a gram of China white heroin in it. You know, and they had a couple of shoe boxes full of that. And my dad was 16 years old. So he's doing pure heroin, China white, at fucking 16 or 17 years old and that's what started his his madness so by the time they ran through all that they couldn't afford to have it with the dope that they had Mm -hmm. in the states and at their age they're like 18 by now so they just started robbing people robbing drug dealers pulling robberies and then yeah he went to prison i think they got five years and on the news they were called the holiday boys because they hit so many holiday inn hotels so like i could google them probably yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's my pops. You know what I mean? And he got sober like permanently by the time I was twenty-one. What effect do you think all of that had on you growing up? I mean, I went to rehab for heroin at like nineteen years old, and we had the family session thing. You remember? You do a family session at, tre- at rehab, and uh, I refused. My uh, perception was so small at that time, at that age. I thought I knew it all, but didn't really know much, right? Mm-hmm. And I tried to blame him, like. Like, oh, you made it seem like it's your fault. You exposed me. Did it? And I felt bad. Like, we talk now, and I've apologized for that, that poor perception. You know, I think growing up as a kid, seeing my dad, he was have big built, you know what I mean? Had muscles, big guy, tattoos. Other men around him growing up, like, respected him. And, you know, he would, he had a presence, you know, and they had the motorcycles. And I still had a, my parents, my mom is an angel backbone of the family. Without her, I would be dead or I'd be living in a trailer park, right? Mm-hmm. But I still had a house, still had clothes. We still ate good. But my father struggled with heroin off and on until I was like 21. And what that looked like is, you know, three in the morning, my mom would throw me and my two sisters in the car and we would drive to, 
what we call today trap houses. But back then it was, you know, we'll go look at these known houses where people or my dad's friends would be getting high and we would go driving around trying to look for my dad because he's been gone mm. for like four or five days. And what would happen is because they just pulled a robbery and they bought a bunch of heroin and coke and they're at someone's house just shooting up all day. You know what I mean? You know, that that went on when I was like younger. As I got older, I don't think he did anything crazy anymore with the robberies, but, you know, started working and, you know, off and on, I could tell if he was fucking up because um, of how they were getting along, you know, or if yeah. she was mad at him or not talking to him or kicking him out. Like, oh, making, dad's doing some fuck shit if mom's yeah, like, mad dad's at him. dad's fucking up again. Yeah. I mean, that's what me and my sisters would say is, no, dad's so fucking So you up don't again. think you had a really good, strong male figure? I did in the sense of like something that not being a... a, a, a a beta in life <laughs> yeah. right um, so do you think you've made a point to be like an alpha male in your life yeah if you want to go with labels definitely but i also think i mean we all have a does it bother you bailing have a soft side and yeah i'll talk about my feelings and i'll process like what's going on and if i'm wrong I'll, I'll admit it and apologize and you know i like to be transparent and um like honest right and that's stuff that the program has introduced to my life and you know um I like the results I get from doing that. You know, yeah. life seems less stressful, less hurtful. I'm not hurting people. Life gets better. I have a higher caliber of like friends and people I love and I count on and that, that I could trust and won't, you know, I just good people, you know. Uh, most of the people in my life have only known me in recovery. So mm -hmm. it's like weird, right? Yeah, so, yeah, same with me. Like, I don't really know anybody. Well, I don't. I do know people. I don't really communicate or have people in my life that were from my past because everybody from my past was up to no good, up to no good. And yeah. I use them as well. You know, right. it was kind of like this transactional relationship oh, yeah. going on. Yeah, definitely use each other. I mean, yeah, I, it's like we know what's going on here. <laughs> my, one of my best friend childhood, my, one of my childhood best friends, his mom gave the child support check straight to him like every two weeks. So like at 14 years old, we were, like we were doing hard drugs by 14, you know, uh, meth, uh, coke, ecstasy, acid, really? weed every day, Nas. Because my, my best friend would get 500 bucks every week or two weeks. I can't remember. And we just spent that all on drugs, you know. When did you start? You started. When did you start using? Like the summer of sixth grade, I started smoking weed. And then from like two years later, hard drugs. By seventh grade, we were taking acid already, mushrooms, ecstasy. What do you think started it? Like, you, I mean, it happens. You get introduced to weed. Like, hey, try this. Like, I understand that dynamic where it just happens I, and people are already doing it. But what do you think just drew you to it and wanted to keep doing it? I was there always already... interested, always intrigued. You know, if you were if you're like a smart kid, like a nerd and, and did the right thing and was like, like a Ned Flanders from The Simpsons, you know what I mean? Um, like, cool, but I don't want to hang out with you. I want nothing to do with you. In reality, that's who I should have surrounded myself around, right? But if you were up to no good and in trouble and, you know, doing stuff that you shouldn't be doing, then I was just like, okay, like... You're the cool kids. You're, yeah, you're, you're my people. Like You just up? felt what more a part doing? of with them. Correct, correct. Or maybe that's where I felt I belonged because of, you know, I looked at my dad and I was like, oh... Yeah. It's okay. He still made it in life. They're still doing good. You know what I mean? If I get on this path, like it's not, I could still have a good life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I saw someone that had a life that you probably normally don't come back from, have a normal life with family and kids and, you know, financial stability. Um, so maybe I had this illusion like, oh, I could play in this circle of people for a while. And then when I get to a certain age, you know, then I could be an adult and I'll, get a career and have a right. family. Figure yeah. that out later. You know, <laughs> as easy as we label it that young, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm just going to do this for like five years and then I'll get a career and start a family. And Right. Like it's that easy. Right? I had, I really didn't have that. I didn't really think that far when I was using <laughs> I'm like, I'm, this is just what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to get Xanax every day and figure it out. Yeah. Well, see, I had my mom who was like the angel that doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink. Like I've seen, think I've seen her drink like half a beer once in a while and like that's it for her same um, with mine i've never seen her and she knew i was my father's son right so she would always i'd walk the house walk out the house like with my skateboard as a kid and she'd be like rod you know god loves you jesus loves you he has a plan for you and you know that he has a woman plan for you to build a family and and, and have these christian kids. you know and she would always make those like comments and as a kid i'm like oh so annoying <laughs> looking back on it now i'm just like 
it's fucking adorable. That's sweet. That's like, so. It's mean? so cute. Yeah. Like, thank you, mom, for as it's much crazy. of a headache I've been. You still yeah. were like positive and wanted like good for me. It's crazy how much we appreciate those things now, looking back. Right. And at the time, it's like, dude, stop being annoying and weird and cringy. <laughs> but it's yes. like, no, like she cared for you and she loved you right. and she wanted the best for you. I mean, in recovery, that I came to that realization was um, that nobody cares for you and wants nothing um, back from you or just wants to see you happy and succeed uh, more than your parents, right? Most of the time, yes. And, and, and that's all they want for you. And they're here like trying to guide you, give you advice and, and shape you and, and, and turn you into a, a good person, right? From their experiences that they've learned. And we're just like, nah, fuck you. Especially with addicts. Yeah, especially oh, yeah. with addicts. We want to have our own experience. Yeah, yeah. That's the same thing with relapse. I think I believe relapse is a part of your story. Absolutely. Well, if you even want to call it relapse, right? I used to be a big book thumper, so it might be annoying. But like relapse is really only when you've completed all the 12 steps and taken someone else through the 12 steps and gone through the first 164 pages of the book, you know, then you've generally of service. Um, then you've generally like completed the program, how it's asked of you and suggested. Right. So until you've gone through that whole process and like had a spiritual awakening and all that, you can't relapse. You can't relapse because nothing fucking really changed. There might've been little changes here and there, but you just, you didn't relapse. You just gave up. You quit. Yeah. You went back to, you know, doing it your way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I've heard relapses return to a former way of thinking, meaning that your thinking had already changed. Right. And then you decided to go back. Correct. So now we would consciously make a decision to go drink. Or like, do you think it's slowly? Yeah, because again, there's it's called the disease of addiction. Right. I first like I first off when I heard that, I was like, that doesn't fucking make sense. I don't have a disease. Right. Well, that actually gave me relief. Really? Right. The big the doctor's opinion which breaks down that is the doctor's perception on like the alcoholic and the addict and, you know, labeling it as a disease. When I read that and my sponsor's like, I'm not going to convince you of this. You need to believe this for yourself, you know? And we, we, we I love my sponsor and he's, we broke down that chapter uh, sentence by sentence. And if I had a question or I didn't understand something, he would take the time to help me understand. It gave me a lot of relief because I always thought I wasn't good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I didn't deserve better. I was a fuck up, you know, because I think society and peers have always told me like, hey, Rod, like you shouldn't do this anymore. Do better, like do it for your family or do it for this. Do it for, you know what I mean? And I can never do it for those reasons, you know? So I started to buy into this like, this self, self-defeating thinking of mine of I'm just a fuck up. Uh, I can't stop drinking or using. I, I can't do it no matter how hard I try, no matter what horrific experience I have that... Um, I go through because of the drinking and drugging. Yeah, no matter what um, consequences, why can't I get sober? Right. So I didn't, you know, so when, that's, when the, the book tells me I have a disease, I just, and I just didn't know the information to how to treat that disease, it was like a relief. I was like, okay, so I'm not like this fuck up, this piece of shit. Um, that just I is consciously this, making these bad decisions. I didn't know better. Yeah. You know, I didn't know there was a way, you know, like, or I wasn't open, I didn't get to an open mind. A place in my life to where I was willing to see that maybe, right? Because I've been in rehabs, maybe like three before the last one I went to, you know. But um, I accepted that and I took that as a, yeah, I got a disease. I just don't know how to treat it. How would you describe the disease? Um, like what the fuck even is it? Why? How did I end up with it? Was I born with it? Was I made? Do you believe that? Like, was I made or born in that? Scientists say that it is like, oh, it's genetic or like all that. Genetics can play a part, yes. Yeah, and um, my mom told me something that like, that weighs with me. Uh, And this is more of her like, Rod, Jesus loves you. But she'd always be like, you know, Rod, um, the way you live your life and the choices you make, these are like, these are seeds that you're sowing in your heart and that. You continue to no no. She's like you have these seeds that are sown into your heart because of the the life that your father had once lived. You continue to act like this. You're watering those seeds, and you're not gonna like what happens when they grow, right? So hmm. like that um, that one always stuck with my with me that my mom told me. It's kind of poetic. Yeah, she's a angel. She's an RN. Always help people her whole life, you know. But I don't know, you know. Like, and it also at the end of the day, I guess it doesn't even really matter. Okay. It's just like, I'm an addict. I'm an alcoholic. You know, like that's, yeah. Like I can get down into this whole philosophical thing. Like personally, I'm curious. Right. Like, was I born with this or was I made, was I made this? I mean, there's so many good points, right? Like, oh, I had a problem with sugar. You hear people talk about it. 
oh, sugar is my first addiction, and then video games, da, da, da. Like, sure, like, so maybe it's just a, a disease of thinking, like what we want to stay in that state of escape, right? More than the average person. I don't know. We could, we could sit here and go down that rabbit hole like all day long. You know, um, I just know that when I did drugs and I drank alcohol, I loved the way it felt. And I was like, this feels fucking amazing. I'm going to do everything I can to make sure I feel like this all the time, you know? And I guess normal people are like, they'll go to a party, do, do some I went- coke and drink a little bit and be like, <laughs> Wow, I had a wonderful time. That was exciting. I'll do it again sometime. And they don't go back to it. You know, you know I just went to like a normal person party. Normal person party? Yeah. <laughs> if see, it seems party. for me like saying that it seems weird, but I don't know how else to, <laughs> to say it. It's just I went to a party with people that weren't alcoholics right. and there was alcohol there. And just looking at it, I was like, wow, they're just like casually right. sipping. Like this is the most sane party I've ever been to in my right. life. Right. Everybody's come. Well, there was one person that wasn't calm cool and collected she actually reminded me very much of myself of just wanting to fight everybody we're always when she was drugs hidden somewhere yeah right? somewhere hidden in there and i don't know it was really cool to see of like the different dynamic of people and how they they can handle their like there was designated drivers i was like uh, what I, mean, I have like four duis i wish that was a thing and i'm so time. glad rod has four duis because i have three and i always feel shame about it <laughs> so I, I really enjoy the fact that somebody's one up to me yeah. <laughs> with well, that one yeah, well, one of them, they didn't even, um, they thought I was going to die or they were like, this is punishment enough. We're not going to, it was a motorcycle accident. You know, they're, they're like, either he's going to die or if he survives this, that's far more punishment than some fines and some classes and some jail time. With your fourth DUI, it was. That was like my second DUI. They were lenient on you. Yeah, my first DUI, I was 16 years old and. I was driving, you know, when we were young kids, we always hold, hung out with like older people, you know, um, which I look back on today and I'm like, that's kind of creepy. Like, what the fuck were those older people doing with us as kids? Yes. But we were just drugs and drinking them. No funny business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, I was driving this dude's car, taking side streets, and I had the caps to the 40s we were drinking in my pocket. And we were going to some someone's house. There were some girls there, da, da, da. And I got pulled over and got a DUI at 16. Second one, motorcycle accident. And the last two, second, third one was at night leaving a bar. Typical. And then my fourth one was in Las Vegas. My buddy moved out there and he was having the time of his life. Like his Monday and Tuesday was better than my Saturday and Sunday. You know, like, so he convinced me to go out there. So I drove to San Francisco. He flew to San Francisco. We picked up a couple boats of e-pills, like a boat's like a thousand e-pills. So we picked up a couple of boats of e-pills. I mean, like, I'm like 25 at this time. So we're shaking and moving. You know what I mean? <laughs> we're, um, we've been in the game since we were like 14 years old, you know? Very well uh, yeah, experienced. Yeah. So it's like, oh, we'll pick up a couple of boats. We'll use that to sell. We'll, you know, I was going to move out there. That'll keep me on my feet for like until I get, you know, situated. And then there was these two, these strippers that invited us over. He showed me pictures and they're gorgeous. It was like this Brazilian girl and this white girl. And he's like, yeah, hey, they want us to come over. Like, you know, it's like four in the morning. We just got back from going to clubs, you know, and I'm excited. I'm drunk and sniffing e-pills like had 2000 of them. You know what I mean? So I'm like sniffing them, popping them, drinking, um, doing coke. And it's just, you know, casual. I'm still I can still talk to you like this while I'm doing all that. You know what I mean? Or maybe by this time at the end of the night, I wasn't that pretty. He's like, yeah, you know what? Let's do it another night. I was like, what? what? You're going to pass on that? Like, no, let's go. And he's just like, fuck it. He goes, you have to drive. He goes, I'm too fucked up. I'm not going to drive. So then I drive and I got pulled over. Got another DUI. Well, my stories were not as exciting as those. They were very silly. They usually are. Like, like there's this thing with like, like I've, I've noticed like sometimes in the beginning of my sobriety, I glamorized my addiction a lot because I yeah. thought it was the most amount of fun I've ever had in my life. It's... And the most amount of fun I thought I could have in my life. Right. And like now I've just proven that completely wrong. It's a badge of honor to us when we're like young, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I thought I was like special. I thought I was cool. I thought I was, um, you know, rebellious to like the standards of the world and everybody was robots, but I was free and I understood stuff that you didn't understand, you know, because like I'm doing these drugs and you know what I mean? I don't know. Just fucking lost, you know? Yeah. But carried it like a, like a badge of honor, you know? What, t- what age did you get sober? Was it like shortly after your DUIs? This sobriety? 
Yes. This sobriety. And you would also consider this time your first time in recovery. Yeah. Because this you was never. the first time that I actually worked all the steps. I mean, this is, okay, so this is the time that I fucking, like, it was it for me, you know? Why? So I got sober at 32 this time around. And why I say it was it for me, because I got to a place in my addiction, you know, I guess everyone, or not everyone, but I wanted to be at, you know? And it was, you know, I sold meth, heroin, fentanyl, always had, like, little extra stuff here and there just for my trading, you know what I mean? I never ran out of dope. Never ran out of money. I wasn't like bawling, you know, but I didn't hurt for anything, you know. Bills were covered. If I wanted new clothes, if I wanted to get a hotel, whatever I wanted to do, like, you know, I, was, I had money. And I just drove around all day getting high and, and dropping off dope, you know what I mean? And then having fun in between there. Um, and there's always a girl with me, you know what I mean? Um, and I was bad with the girls, you know. I would have one with me for like three days and I'm doing my drops and we're hooking up and Getting high the whole time, of course. And then um, I'm, like, texting her roommate the whole time. So then, like, after, like, three days, you're, like, partying, you know, getting high with someone. It's, like, um, you know, people start to get on your nerves. So I'm, like, yeah. all right, I'm, like, all right, like, I'm going to drop you off at home now. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you've had a three, free ride for three days. You know what I mean? I've fed you, paid for everything. We've been hooking up and uh, getting high the whole time for free. And then I'll be going to drop her off. And then, like, she's walking up to her place and her roommate's walking down. And she's, like... She's like, oh, I'm leaving. She's like, where are you going? She's like, oh, I've been talking to Rod for a couple of days. I'm going to go with Rod. You know, she would just look back at me and just be like, fucker. Like, <laughs> it's just like, dude, you're not my girlfriend. Like, what? Do you what? think that followed into sobriety? It didn't for you? Not right away. Not in this sobriety. Or not in the beginning of my sobriety, I should say, actually. Because, I, I mean, sex and love addiction is a whole other thing. Yeah. It's, I, it's a thing a lot of people, a lot of addicts and alcoholics struggle with. Absolutely. I struggled with it like uh, five years sober. Yeah. You know what I mean? Four and a half years sober. I, I struggled with that. Beginning of my recovery looked like a man. Because I got to a place, like when I got sober, it was like I had that moment that I think a lot of us have, right? And I'm in, uh, I got I got busted. They found the dope. Da, 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 da. I'm going to jail. And I'm like, oh, they're gonna, I'm going to go back to prison, right? Like I always thought, like, okay, I lived with this trust fund baby, right? When I was selling my, when I was doing my thing on this last run. And I just gave him everything at cost to live there for free. And he inherited like this nice house in South Pasadena from his parents. Family had money. He was like smart, educated, uh, bisexual dude, tall, funny, but a good dude, good heart, right? I got trust him. And he always had girls over at his house. So it was like fucking winning, right? I'm like waxing my truck. I have like my lifted truck, you know? I'm, like waxing it at four, I can, in, the, I can four imagine. in the morning. You know what I mean? Because I had this theory, if my truck's always clean, like they're never gonna pull me over and everything looks, you know? I was fucking tweaking and, you know. Yeah. He's like, he comes up to me like, he's like, Rod, like, what do you want to do with your life? And I'm like, uh, you know, when I get out of prison, um, I'm going to go back to rehab and like try to like do things the right way. And I'll never get the look on his face because he, he had like this stink face look. And he's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And I was just like, bro, you don't get it. Like, I don't run out of dope. There's always a girl. There's always a house to go to. There's always something to do. I have I'll always have like cash on me like. Like, I can't stop. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't stop. Even if I wanted to stop, I can't stop. You know? And I got to the point to where, like, I couldn't even stay awake more than a day. You know? And I'm literally getting high from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. Like, pretty much all day long, you know? You know, I got to this place where I thought that's what I wanted. I was like, oh, cool. I could just coast and stay getting high for free and have money and girls and, you know what I mean? Like, fun, right? Just fun. You remember like when you would party hard and then maybe like one day out of the week, you would finally get like eight hours of sleep. But, you know, so I, ha I would have like those those nights where I get eight hours of sleep. And I was somewhat sober when I woke up, you know, and like reality would be sinking in of what I'm doing in my life, where I'm going, how old I am. Like, and it would be like, I'm like, dude, I'm going to be that dude living in a trailer with like, like five teeth left selling dope to kids and be fucking just a loser. You had a, like a reality check moment. Right. And I would have like, you know, these emotional mornings where I'm like crying, like thinking about like, fuck, like this is, you know, where your life's at, Rob. Like, like you're fucking a loser. Like, like this is horrible. Like this wasn't the plan as a kid. When I was a little kid, the plan wasn't to be fucking the smoked out the fucking game 
drug dealing, drug addict, piece of shit. You know what I mean? You know, and as I'm like fucking having these moments, I'm getting high in that process. So it's like, <laughs> you know, and then as it. soon as like the fucking drugs would kick in and do their job, I'd be like, oh, I was acting like a little bitch. Like that was weird. Like, what yeah. was that? You know what I mean? I'll go right back to the madness. I just had that moment in county jail where I prayed to, what was it? At that time, it was the creator of the universe, the creator of all things good. Like whoever you are, whatever you are, I'm praying to you. You know, because I don't ever want to, I will do whatever I have to do to never come back here again, never be around these people again, never live the way I was living again, um, hurt the people that care about me again. I just, I'm done. I will do whatever I have to do. Right. And this little voice in my head says, go back to AA. Now I'm on a three year run of fentanyl, meth, and heroin. So in that detox in county jail, I take that as like a sign from a higher power. Like, I'm like, okay. Fuck you. I'm going to go back to AA. And when it doesn't work, I'm not going to feel bad about drinking and using. And I'm just going to be that dude in a trailer selling dope. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, You're like, I'll, I'll give it one more shot. Right. Because uh, in my head, I did the typical thing. Oh, I tried AA. But no, I sat in AA and I fucking pick and chose what I was going to do. And I basically just stayed there until I got so uncomfortable that I wanted to go use. Right. I wanted some relief. So that was like my my, my plan. And um, when I got arrested, they wanted to send me back to prison for three years. And, it was, and I, my, my parents weren't going to help me, so there was no lawyer. I had a public defender. She's like this old white lady. And she's like looking at my case. She goes, oh, yeah, like, you know, they're going for three years. They want to send you back to prison. And I was just like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, well. Like, I figure I'll go get healthy. I know how to do prison. I'll put weight back on, get in shape again. Play that fucking game inside. That's so, that's, so, that's so crazy. You were okay with going to prison. Yeah, and that that's not normal either, right? Yeah. Um, I was like, come out healthy, and then I'll try try at life, try to do life again. She's like, okay, well, let me see what I could do. And I'm just like, anyone that has been in and out of jail, you know, like when you get a public defender, you're normally going to get fucked. The yeah. DA is going to have their way with you. Um, you're screwed. Yeah. So I'm just like rolling my eyes like, okay, lady, like, you know, and just sitting waiting. She comes back, and she's like, she goes, you never used the drug program. I'm like, no. Like, What? You know, she goes, she goes, I got an offer for you to you could do this thing called drug court and it's 18 month program and you'll get released to a treatment center from county jail and you have to complete everything. It's very strict and not a lot of people pass and not a lot of people make it and um, you don't have to go to prison. So I'm just like, like, OK, God, like, you know, what I mean, like, that's yeah, what I'll I wanted. Take it. Like, I'm going to skip the prison part and go straight and get help. You know, because I didn't have insurance. And the way I grew up and the people I was around is like, you don't go to rehab. Like, you know, get It was unheard of. Yeah. So I got this God shot that I took it as. And I walked into this state-funded treatment program called Impact. And it's like 150 people, 75 girls, 75 guys, extremely strict. And I got to work. You know what I mean? Linked up with the sponsor and did everything that fucker told me to do. You know? And, you uh, gave up everything you wanted to do. Right. If he told me to eat horseshit every day, I would eat horseshit every day. <laughs> because my my idea was like it's either this or going back to the way I was living. I know how to do what I was doing easily. What I don't know how to do is live an actual fucking life. Correct. That's yeah. what I thought as well. Right. It's like I I know how to get high every day and just be miserable and literally do right. nothing with myself. Right. The illusion of happiness. Yeah. Temporary happiness. Yeah. And it fucking worked. When I did everything, I stayed away from girls for the first year, which is, you know. Highly recommended and very hard yes. for Rod. <laughs> very hard. For, it was hard for me, but I did it, you know. And um, I dove into the steps and I dove into the process and I asked questions and I applied. The biggest thing is I actually applied it in my life, right? My sponsor would tell me to do shit and I would immediately be like, fuck you and walk away. And then come back like five minutes later. Hey, I'm sorry for cussing. Like, please tell me again what you want me to do. Like, okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like I dragged my feet and I made mistakes. And um, um, what happened was I started doing what he would tell me to do. And I liked the results I was getting out of life. You know, I liked the way I felt. I liked the way people responded. And just the universe kind of like, I, I wasn't swimming against the current no more. Yeah. I started going with the current, right? Yeah. Did the inner work. You know, stayed away from girls because that was just a distraction. I had nothing to offer in the first place, but a bunch of fucking yeah, it just would have been and, very selfish. 
Yeah. Which is a lot of us fall into. Recovery is really cool. Like it's a good start, right? Getting in mm-hmm. there. It's like, fuck yeah, you have this opportunity. Are you going to grab it or not? Right. And once you grab it, all right, cool. Now we're doing that first year. Kind of, it's almost like proving that we can actually live a life without picking up is that right. first year. And then now real shit starts happening. And I also, you said you liked the results you were getting. Yeah. I like the results I'm getting. That's why I haven't given up yet. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, fuck it. Like, yeah, I have days where it's like, wow, a blunt sounds good. Naturally. Yeah, it's naturally. Human, we're going to, yeah, we're going to. I eat a fucking cheeseburger every day for fucking 10 years and I stop eating cheeseburgers. Motherfucker, I'm going to crave a cheeseburger once in a while. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's fucking naturally, you know? doesn't make me a horrible person. Oh, my God, I'm going to relapse. I thought about doing it. No. Yeah, and a lot of addicts, like addicts in early recovery, get scared when they have that thought. Right. I just, you know what I did is I set some awesome uh, reservations for myself. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, so the only way I'm going to relapse is if two blondes pull up in a convertible with like an ounce of heroin and, and, a, and a quarter pound of meth, and they're like, hey, Rod, we got a hotel for a week. Come with us, and we're just going to get high and fucking have sex for a week. Then I'll be like, Okay, I'm going to fucking relapse, right? <laughs> but that's never going to fucking happen, you know what I mean? So, like, that's what I told myself. All right, Rod, like, fucking... You can use if this happens. If this happens, then, like, you could fucking relapse. There's, you know what I mean? And and that was, like, my... Uh, I held on to that for a little bit. It gave you, know? you comfort. Yeah, yeah. You know, whatever works. <laughs> right, you know? Um, and I had a lot of work to do and had a long ways to go when I first got sober. I mean, my perception I mean, yeah. was so twisted and lost. You got, you got sober in your... Th- 30s, 32 uh, in your 30s you have decades of behaviors and things right. that you're used to and like right. now you're just doing this foreign thing right exactly i mean that first year it, it was the hardest probably because you're going about life and everything you're going about life in a different way so i mean i had to i had to pause and count to 10 before i responded to people in my early sobriety because my first response was some negative sideways shit you know what I mean? Like, I was, like, programmed to be, like, just poke people's buttons. Like, I'm gonna fuck this dude's bitch. I'm going to fucking talk shit to him, see see what he's really about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? My sponsor, like, took me to a meeting, and he kind of, like, observed this. And he goes, hey, man, are you just having a bad day, or is that how you are? I was like, what do you mean? Like, that's this is who I am. You know what I mean? He's like, no, dude. Like, that's not spiritual. That's not changed behavior. Um, Like, how do you expect the universe to, or your higher power to, like, you're not honoring, like, this program and, the, and these things that you're applying in your life, if you're you're you're, you're yeah. being like that towards people, like in your you know? relationships, you don't want to right just poke people and who wants to be then, around that? Yeah, exactly. Right. So I had to learn how to just be a person in a room, mm-hmm. if you want to call it, like be a friend again, be a son, be a brother Oof. to my sisters, be an employee to my employer, like be um, in gratitude. Um, I had to learn like all that again, you know, as as an adult. Right. It's just humbling, you know, humbling. Because I'll see these dudes roll up in like they're 25 years old and they had like a couple bad years and they went to rehab and they did this and they did the program and and they caught on like right away. And then they're like a couple years sober, pulling up in a nice car. And I'm like, motherfucker, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like 33 now and I'm just like, Got like a used Honda Accord. Like, me, like that's me right my now. self-talk was real bad, you know, yeah. for the first. But the thing years. is, it's also everybody's going at a different pace, and it right. takes certain experiences for everybody. And that's my perception at that time, right? Like, it's the material stuff makes us happy temporarily, mm-hmm. but it's not what like keeps genuinely keeps us happy. That's internally, right? Yeah, we all think that the car, the girl, right? It's like the stages the... we go through mm-hmm. as time goes on in sobriety. It's like. What stage, what phase are you in your recovery? Like, oh, okay, I know where you're at. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's weird. Yeah, know? and also just figuring out what the fuck your core beliefs are and your values and yeah. how do you want to be respected and treated in a relationship. And there's all these things. You're really so learning amazing. yourself at this point. That was me. Like, I came yeah. in at 18. I'm, who the fuck am I? You know? <laughs> True. Like, 18, I was still discovering myself. Dude, I was, like, learning your daily life things i didn't know what a deductible i mean was 18 or... i thought it was cool to put like an e-pill on a girl's butt like that's where my head yeah was. you know what i mean like yeah it's like that's where that's yeah where, that was where my head was at 18 like it's not um you're doing great <laughs> you're doing amazing I, well, yeah, i'm jealous thank you, thank you. Hey, you're better than me yeah you know i don't know what happened but it i it stuck it stuck i'm telling you i liked the results i was getting yes absolutely and i had nothing no hope I had nothing going for my life back 
right. back in North Carolina. Right. I was like, dude, let's just try something new. Fuck it. Right. I had, I had nothing to lose. That's the thing. I had nothing to absolutely lose. Right. Why not try this? And I enjoyed it. But look, something else I want to ask you, though, yes. is with labels. So you said something earlier uh-huh. about if you want to label it, but do like do you find like an importance in, in labels? And like at the end of the day, we have to identify things, yes. But like with addicts and alcoholics, it's it's almost like, you know, in meetings, we're like Lysha alcoholic, rod, rod alcoholic. And it's like the first the first I struggled step. with that because so I thought I was special. So I would say uh, drug addicted alcoholic because drugs were a big part of my story. So it was alcohol, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you think that it's very important to identify as some people don't sober? Yes. When now looking back, I can't walk into a program that's been around since like 1939 and generally have an opinion on what they're doing is right or wrong when there's evidence of all the people they've helped, right? Of course. Like, so, like even of now, course. like, I don't, like, if they want me to call myself fucking doo-doo head, like... Like, yeah, you're okay, saving my it. life. Like, I'm going to call myself doo-doo head. I, I get that, 100%. Right. But I'm kind of trying to go more in, a, in an angle of, like, a lot of people, of course, addict, the word addict and alcoholic is stigmatized. Yeah. yeah. Like, we have this even before we came in. Like, in your addiction, did you identify as an addict or alcoholic? Both. Yeah. You know? Oh, in my addiction before I got sober? In your addiction, yes, before you got sober. Or did you yeah, think I mean, you were separate from them? Well, there's always those levels, right? Like, I'm like, oh, I'm better than them because I'm not fucking sticking a needle in my arm and, and digging yeah. and fucking picking my face and look like shit. Like, I'm a better type of user than them. So, I mean, I'd be a hypocrite to say I don't like labels because I've participated in them, you know? I've um, used them, you know? Um I don't know. Like, I'm conflicted on this one. You know what I mean? You, yeah. Because a part of me is like, well, yes, I'm an addict alcoholic. I think, so, yeah. So, what my opinion on this I don't is, think I'm the same person, though, that I am from when I first got sober. Yeah. You know? And if you, if you walked up to anybody that knows me in my sobriety that's not in the program, if you ask them, like, hey, is Rod an addict or alcoholic? They would probably be like, what? That's crazy. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's, it's weird because I know what I once used to live like and that's more familiar to me than the person I am today is less familiar to me right huh. so like people that have only known me in my sobriety their perception on me is like baffling like wow that's what you really think of me like thank you like that's yeah. very sweet but I don't share that same perception because of the life we lived for so long before I got sober I'm more familiar with that person than I am with this new person of course sobriety. Also, at that party, I told you I went to the the normal person party. Oh, there's something I want to share so, with you about that, bro. Okay, okay. Keep that pin, pinned. Okay. They, so, I was like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic. They're like, how are you an alcoholic and you're not drinking? Right. Right? So, it's like, I don't think, I think it's not, old, like, always common knowledge that you can be an alcoholic and sober. Those behaviors are still there. You know what I mean? We can, I'm an alcoholic, like, I have alcoholic tendencies when it comes to food. I either right. want to starve myself or just stuff my face. Right. You know what I mean? No in between. Yeah, no just, in between. Extremes. Like right. it, it goes into everything. I either want to binge a show or not watch anything at all. You know, so like right. those, uh, my alcoholism is showing up even in sobriety. So I want like people to kind of wrap their head around that as well. That like, it's not just I'm an alcoholic because I'm constantly drinking every day. How it's do like, you identify it though if it's not labeling it, right? Because then if, if, if we're not in the program... Like we just labeled it. I'm very extreme, one or the other. How do we, how do you, what do you call it if you don't label it? You know what I mean? Like, help me find, figure that out. Like, how do I not label? Help me there. Like, let's talk about that. How do I not label something? Because even as we're talking about this, I'm like, I'm like, well, what's another way to say it? I'm still labeling it, right? Like, the, the kind of point I was kind of getting to a little bit with that, I never got to it. <laughs> I never got to my point is that, Yes, like I'm an alcohol, like I am a person that experiences alcoholism. Yeah. Like I'm a person that experiences depression. Right. And I'm a person that experiences anxiety. Like that, all those things, there aren't me. Those are just things I experience. So you're just the fucking spirit having a human experience. Yes. We're still labeling. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, how do we get away from the labeling? The the thing is that the labels, I think, are inevitable. Right. But... The thing is that there's all these softer like softer approach. Or there's something? all these things that are attached to these labels. That's right. why we have to fucking break this. Oh, okay. Down. So like, there's there's so much more to me than just an addict and alcoholic. Yeah, you're saying. 
I could get with that. And absolutely, 100%. Yes. Uh, I think there is, yes. So, okay. I had the wrong perception on it, you know? <laughs> um, I think, you know, labeling is bad if you want to just focus on that one part of a person because I think there is so much more exactly. to us people in recovery, uh, whatever it is. If it's not recovery, if you're talking about um, all this gender shit going on, you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Like, there's more to that person than just being labeled as I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. Like, of course, I think, you know, we're all spirits having a human experience. Uh, we're humans. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. I think Labels people, suck if you put it that way. They suck, but we need them at yes. the same time. Yes. Um, and people, they make them part of their identity. And that's something I don't particularly like to see. Fair. But I think necessary in the beginning. Yeah, especially with recovery. Yes, Uh, only recovery because that's. I'm only speaking from experience on that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can't. I don't have experience in other labels. Well, I do, but you know, it's not what we're talking about. Like with sexuality as well, for me personally, like I identify as a lesbian, but I don't like. You go both ways though, don't you? (laughs) That's I'm confused here. I know you. You've gone both ways, and look at. I'll be real with you. I'm fucking jealous, bro. I wish I was bisexual. That's like, I'm only getting half the pleasures of life. It's just not my thing. I'm not into dudes. <laughs> but I'm jealous of the motherfuckers who are bisexual because, like, you get to, you know what I mean? You get more. <laughs> you get more options. Yeah. You know? Where I was going with that rod was, <laughs> was, I don't think that's, like, all of me. You know what I mean? I don't, Absolutely like, not. Be like, hey, my name's Lysha, and I, that's I'm like, gay, by the way. That's like saying, like, I like pizza. Yeah. I like to eat a hamburger. Yeah. You know, it's like, cool. I just think there's a tendency for people to make things like that. For no, example, look, their sexuality and their gender. I think it's those people's fault, though. Because if someone's going to, like, like, if I say I'm an addict, and then by me saying that, you insinuate that that's all I am. Is that really my f- problem? Or is that something that you need to work on with yourself? <laughs> that you accept the fact that, like, no, there's that you can't see that there's definitely more to me as a human. True. You know what I mean? So, once again, it's like, are you pushing... Why are you pushing that on me? That's something you got to look inward in. And I think that's what is fucked up with a lot of people is everybody wants to do this and, and not everyone's willing to do this. Well, what's my part? Is this me? Right. And that's what the program teaches us as well. You know, Yeah. Um, why should I have to change my vocabulary because of your lack of self-awareness or insight, and understanding, understanding, yeah. you know, Ooh, I mean? that's a good one. Like, and there's so many more important things going on in the world. To like complain and whine and bitch about like, like fucking homelessness, people starving, fucking abuse, like like people are physically being hurt right now. Right, war, like you know, what I mean, there's so much more important things going on, and and and, we, and someone has the audacity to like I don't like your label. It's like you know, like fuck. Yeah, man. I think I'm at a point where I just respect it. I'm like, right. okay. You said you had something pinned in your head. Did you say it? Yeah, I was when you talk about going to a house party and being around alcohol and being like wow like i don't want to get up and drink that like you know what i mean i have a bottle of patron in my freezer really that's probably been there for like six months really yeah my girlfriend is a normie you know what i mean and you know why she's a normie because that bottle of patron has been there for six months <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> that's what you know it's like she she'll make a drink she'll drink once or twice a month have like make two little margaritas and she's good you know and it's fucking adorable right yeah. and 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 to me, that's like baffling. I'm like, whoever wanted to just have two drinks, you know what I mean? Yeah, when yeah. you start feeling that way, what, you don't want to keep drinking to keep that feeling going? Like, what? I don't swear, understand. Swear, swear. That was what my mean? experience at that party. I'm like, yeah. how are you guys just not like getting wasted right now and don't yeah. want to? And I like my ice cream. So I see that bottle all the time. And I just, every time I see it, like I smile and I laugh. <laughs> I get a sense of pride. You know what I mean? I'm just like, I don't care for it. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm that's not- cool though, because also some people... I feel like feel like they have to guard themselves away from right. it. Fair. Like, oh, I can never be in. Yeah, in the beginning, right. it's very important. Right. But at some point, like we we are in the real world, there alcohol is very uh, out there. Yeah, and socially acceptable. And it's also right. very hard for alcoholics because it. I mean, I guess it could be a trigger for them early on to like Absolutely. always see it around. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, I think it is very very important to be cautious of that. But you know, if you're you know multiple years sober and you're still like oh my god i can't be around it then like you're missing something like you've missed a, go go get a new sponsor or go have a new experience because like you missed something because you know um 
you know, we're promised that we could walk free in the world and, and be anywhere without, you know. Anywhere a normal to... person can. Yeah, and that's true. I don't want to give, like, it that much power. Like, it doesn't have that much power over me anymore, you know. It's yeah. not as appealing. I more feel sorry now for people that live their life for the weekend to go to bars and drink, right? Because it's like, if you really break down the process, it's you're going to work all week and then you're going to go to a place where you don't know everybody. You might know a couple people. It's loud. It's annoying. People are stepping on your shoes, bumping into you. They're drunk when they're talking. They're like spits like getting on your face <laughs> and they're slurring. You're being overcharged for the alcohol, like mm -hmm. spending a ridiculous amount of money for mixed drinks when you could have bought like probably five bottles with the amount that you spend one night drinking. Uh, and that's your source of fun. That's that's you living your life on the time that you have on this planet. You're just going to spend it in a bar for the weekend. It's it's sad more. And I say that only because I did that for periods of time, right? Um, and reflecting, it's just like sad. It's like a waste of time. It's like, you know, here's here's birth, here's death. You know, here you are in the time frame that you're going to be on this earth. This is all the time you have left on here. And you want to spend it hanging out in bars on the weekends on your free time. You know what I mean? You don't want to like set goals or go travel or explore, create new hobbies, build a family. You know what I mean? Like there's so much more. To life, yeah. Right. And it's crazy I didn't see that till, till I got sober, that there's right. more to it. Right. What's something you would say to someone like out there struggling with addiction? I wish that you get to a place of desperation as fast as possible and are willing to try a new way of life, you know, and you don't continue living in that vicious circle that we were all familiar with, you know, um, there's much more to life out there and I can't convince that person to get sober or do the work that they need to do, but I just hope they get to that place of desperation as fast as possible. Um, where they're willing to give themselves a, a, another chance at life, you know? For sure. The gift of desperation. Yeah, which is like right. God, right? I know. G-O-D. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, it's an internal decision we have to come to, uh, for, to for ourselves, yeah. for our own well-being. Like, nobody can tell you, hey, go get fucking sober. What's You're fucking, you keep the fucking... emotional appeal, Yeah. right? I'll buy you a Lamborghini if you can stay sober for six months, you know? You can hook me up to a lie detector test, and I'll be like, Okay, I'll do it, and I would pass because I, I want that fucking Lamborghini, but um, that's not sufficient enough to keep me sober for six months. I will fucking use within a day or two. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that shit don't work. Thank you so much, Rod, for coming on and coming on the podcast. It's yeah. been long overdue. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I appreciate it.